Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, December the 18th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is the last week we'll be on KFUO because there's going to be a holiday beginning next Monday, and we will not be returning until Monday, January the 8th. I'm Tom Baker. You're listening to Law and Gospel. So we'll be back Monday, January the 8th. But this week, we'll be here on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of December. Well, we've been talking a lot about it, and we're finally near Christmas. And as I have been making note, I was at a congregation for four years plus on Sunday mornings, about 300-mile round trip each Sunday, and really enjoyed it. But they have finally called their full-time pastor, and he began yesterday. So as soon as they get a new pastor, I'm gone, which means I am available for another congregation on Sunday mornings. And it can be within the St. Louis area of 200 miles, no problem. And we're happy to help out on Sunday morning. I do have a continuing on Thursday night, a congregation that I'll be preaching at. But right now my Sunday mornings are open. If you're at all interested, have a vacancy or know of something I can do on Sunday mornings, email me at tombaker at brick.net. Well, this coming Sunday, is actually Christmas Eve. In fact, my home congregation, St. Paul de Pair, is not even going to have any morning worship services on that day, but instead having four of them, or I think three of them, that day, Christmas Eve, as well as on Christmas Day. And that'll be taking place in the afternoon, St. Paul de Pair. That's the place, by the way, where you're hearing the Sunday school lesson each Sunday. This is the fourth Sunday in Advent, December the 24th, with readings from 2 Samuel 7, Romans 16, and of course, Luke 1. Now, 2 Samuel 7 is God talking to his people where Nathan had told David that he was about to build a house for God, a tabernacle, a temple, but then God changed Nathan's mind and told David, no, that that was not going to happen. That would occur under Solomon and there would be a greater kingdom. In the Luke reading, this is where the angel Gabriel sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, betrothed means to be engaged. 
And unlike today, there was no fooling around when you were engaged. Not until after you were married did various items take place. So Mary was a virgin, therefore had never had been with a man. But she was engaged to Joseph, who is of the house of David. Boy, now is that ever important? Because the Old Testament teaches that through the house of David would come a savior. And of course, there was a long line all the way back from Eve in the Garden of Eden. Remember Genesis 3.15? God talking to the serpent, saying that, yes, the serpent's head would be crushed, but in the process, the Messiah's heel would be crushed, referring to the cross itself. And that was a promise all the way through the Old Testament, again and again. In fact, this Sunday's reading is about the wonderful view that God has concerning his son, Jesus Christ. So, you get the impression from the English that, well, the angel said to to Mary, the angel Gabriel said, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, as soon as you hear that word favored, why do you favor someone? You favor them probably because they're very kind and they're very good to you. They have a great reputation. Is that what the angel Gabriel is saying to Mary? Of all the women in the world, God waited for Mary. In fact, in Roman Catholic theology, Mary is considered as sinless, having never sinned. When I was in high school, I wrote a paper on that because I had an argument with my neighbors, all who were Roman Catholic. And the paper said that there was a line of sinless people leading up to Mary. Now, that's not any longer a teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, that she was born sinless. The only problem with that is that Mary, in her song, after she gives birth to Jesus and knows about it, considers Jesus to be her savior. Now, why does she need a savior if she is sinless? There were only three people in the world who were sinless. Of course, the one is Jesus Christ. When he became incarnate, he was sinless, remained sinless, never sinned during his whole life. That's why when he died on the cross, He wasn't paying for his own sins. He was paying for your sins. That's the message of Christianity. 
Who are the other two people? Well, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. For a while, they were sinless until they began to listen to the devil and reject the word of God. Because the devil's word always sounds more enticing than does the word of God. God said, well, you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Whereas the devil said, no, if you eat of it, you will become like God knowing the difference between good and evil. Well, the devil's words, you could become like God, seem much more satisfying. And so Eve and Adam ate of the tree for which they had been forbidden to eat, and therefore they rebelled against God. And that brought sin into the world. So when Gabriel, remember he had also gone to the father of John the baptizer and told him that, yes, you will have a son and he will be wonderful. Well, the father did not believe that because it seemed too impossible. His wife was past childbearing age. And so he became mute, was unable to speak until the birth of John the baptizer. Did Mary have the same doubts? One would think so because when she hears, O favored one, the Lord is with you, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to understand what sort of greeting this might be. Now, this is a perfect example of how Mary could not be sinless because if she had been sinless, she would have understood the word of God. But she was confused. What is this individual, Gabriel, saying to her? See, that, that's the task of every pastor on a Sunday morning or whenever they have a worship service. Not to explain the original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, but to explain the English, because a lot of times you hear, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And she knew she was a sinner. That's why she thanked God later on for bringing Jesus into the world to forgive her sin. So she was greatly troubled at the same and could not understand what sort of greeting this might be. So Gabriel responded to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, don't you wish that is something an angel could tell you, that you have found favor with God? Well, guess what? You have found favor with God if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. When did that occur? Well, in my life, it occurred at my baptism. 
when as an infant I was baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, received not only the gift of the forgiveness of sins, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that faith which was given to me at that time was a miracle. Why did I deserve that? Why was I favored by God? There is no answer to that in the scripture. God just makes that decision. So you have found favor with God if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, because it means that there are countless blessings that you will be receiving. Why? Because you're so good? No. Because God found favor in you. Now, why he finds favor in you, I have no idea. But if you trust in the promises of Jesus that he died for your sin, that he rose for your justification, that heaven is your home, as we have been talking about during the season of Advent, then you are saved. And we can say to you, you are the favored one. In fact, there are times when in a worship service or in a sermon, the pastor could begin with saying, oh, favored ones, and he's referring to the members of the congregation. There's no distinction between a pastor and a lay person when it comes to being favored. Favored for some reason, God chose you to be a member of his family. Now, he chose Mary to actually begin that promise to Eve. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Wow. Okay, can you imagine being Mary? You are betrothed to Joseph. You have not yet known a man, and yet here comes the angel saying that you will become pregnant and bear a son and even give his name Jesus. Jesus, of course, he saves us. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, what does that mean? That God will be his father that how will this come about? But the Lord God, it says, this is verse 32 of Luke 1, will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, that really seems odd. 
because when you go to the Old Testament, it appeared that the temple in the history of the world was kind of destroyed about three times. It was destroyed under invaders. The Babylonians destroyed the temple. The people came back to Jerusalem, rebuilt as much as they could. Herod even embellished it for years, but then that was destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans because of the rebellion of the Jews against the Roman Empire. So what he's talking about, that is kingdom, there will be no end. Well, that's where you can go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, where God is not permitting David to build him a temple or a house. And he says in that chapter, I will make for you, David, a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. In verse 16 of 2 Samuel 7, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, obviously, God is not talking about the geographical land of Israel. That is not the place of the Lord any longer. The temple was destroyed. And I just heard a news report that from Gaza, they were shooting various bombs toward Jerusalem to destroy even the temple that was left. Now, the wall that is left is really not of the original temple. It's actually of the part that Herod made. But the commentator was making the point that if that had happened, that would lead to World War III. You hear a lot of that kind of stuff today, as though Israel, the land, is the home of God still. No, the new Israel is not the land of Israel. The new Israel is the holy Christian church, including both Jew and Gentile. That's why the Lord makes the house, and it will be made sure forever. And verse 16 says, your throne shall be established forever. That, of course, 
when we take a look at the Bible, Jesus has ascended to the throne of God. He has his own throne, according to the book of Revelation. And that's where we will be worshiping forever as believers in Jesus Christ after we die and the day of judgment comes, when in the body and the spirit, we will be with Jesus forever and ever. That's why Jesus is called the Great One and the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And that's what it means that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then verse 34, Mary is listening to the angel, but she's really confused. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Well, in the Old Testament, there's a Bible verse that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This is the fulfillment of that promise made hundreds of years before. And the angel does give her a response. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, she will become pregnant by means of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, for he is the Son of God. Since before the fall of Adam and Eve, no one else has been called holy. And yet we are declared to be holy, not because we act in a holy way. This is a big distinction between law and gospel. The law tells us how we are to act, but we fail to act in that way. We're always falling short of the glory of God. So God takes the sacrifice of Jesus, his resurrection, his ascension, and through that, not only forgives our sins, but declares us to be holy and just in his eyes. This is a tremendous, wonderful gift. And that is how Mary will become pregnant by the power of the Most High overshadowing her. And that's why the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, there's a lot of confusion among some Christians as to whether or not Mary had other children. There's no doubt that there are brothers and sisters of Jesus talked about in the Bible. Some would suggest that was really the children of Joseph from a previous marriage, but there is no inkling of that in Scripture. 
we have no doubts that Mary could have had more children. And those would be the brothers and sisters of Jesus. In fact, the angel goes on and tells her about her relative Elizabeth. Because in her old age, she has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. See, that was the promise the angel Gabriel gave to the father of John the baptizer, that his wife would also become pregnant. And the angel Gabriel did not come to Mary until Elizabeth was pregnant with John the baptizer. And that was through the father of John the baptizer. And then verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. That is a really important passage. It can be one of your favorite passages in the Bible because it is clear in Mark 10, uh, the rich man says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus makes it clear to him that there is really nothing he can do apart from following Jesus, apart from being in faith. In fact, at the end of that passage in Mark 10, when the disciples asked Jesus, who then can be saved? Jesus says, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. So how does Mary respond? Unlike the father of John the baptizer, who doubted the angel Gabriel, listen to the words of Mary. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her and she became pregnant as a virgin with Jesus Christ. It's called the incarnation leading to the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. That's the lesson for this Christmas Eve. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.